Every knowledgeable person knows that when you have gold, you've protected your wealth. But what if the government one day wanted to confiscate your gold so they can gain total control, knowing that one day the smoke will clear and gold will be perfectly available, and that's happened all throughout history. So what you need to do is, in the interim, hide your gold. You can do that by burying it. You can go down about 12 inches, and that's all you're going to need to do. And we have a product that we call BarryYourGold.com, and what it does is it goes into a container. You lower it in the ground with a hole you've dug up to 12 inches. It's a 50-year warranty on the device. It only weighs 17 pounds to pull it out of the ground, and you can keep it for safekeeping. And I'll tell you, this is the way to hide your gold, not in false walls, but underground will be very, very difficult to detect. To find out more, go to BarryYourGold.com. The product is fully guaranteed with a money-back guarantee. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Common Sense Show. My name is Doug Thornton. I'm the host of American Vindicta. I am standing in for Dave Hodges, and today we're going to have on with us Jamie Walden. So, Jamie... Thanks for being on with us for the Common Sense Show. Yeah, thanks for having me on, man. It's it's uh it it is a true statement, you know, when you look at the attribute of leadership, even one of the core foundations of leadership within the confines of today just ha- we're recording this on July 4th, the morning of July 4th. Our families are out enjoying themselves, but <laughs> Doug and I got work. We still got to keep doing. We don't get the holidays and vacations like other people. That's fine. But, uh, even that, you know, is an attribute of leadership. You know, the, the, and the, the United States of America was founded on a unique attribute of leadership that very few people, uh, you know, subscribe to or even can rightly identify. And that leadership actually came from a compulsion of true and better freedom fighter spirit that was only found in Christ alone. Is everybody tracking? I just said a mouthful. Right, that leadership, the core foundations of American leadership was found through the true and better freedom fighter posture and spirit that was found through biblical presidents in Christ alone, Christ Jesus as the true and better freedom fighter. Now, don't think I'm so Pollyanna as to not understand the ulterior foundations of the United States of America. I'm very well researched in that area. I'm adept in that area, but you got to realize that there is two competing interests going on at the same time. The deist and the uh, kingdom-minded people, right? You had the deist and the the old-school occultists looking for the rise of the Atlantean age, Sir Francis Bacon, Adam Weshaupt, these different opportunities to see, quote-unquote, the new world of the United States of America as, an, as a place to rebirth the age of Atlantis, the golden gods of the, the golden age of the gods and all that. Like, we get that, right? Uh, people who listen to Doug, or myself would already be aware of that. But at the same time, you have this authentic move at the exact same time that was rooted in the altruistic, eternal truths of the Judeo-Christian Bible, both the Old Testament and New Testament, that this is what it looks like for justice. This is what it looks like for administration. This is what it looks like for righteous governance. This is what it looks like for, you know, at least the the uh, availability of freedom among all people. This is even why that stain on our history of slavery was overcome. It was overcome because the foundations were rooted in Judeo-Christian values. And though there was this great mar because of the oligarchs of old, coming from England, by the way, uh, establishing the cotton trade, which at the time, I want to I want to say that the cotton trade at that time was the equivalent of like a $3 billion a year business of enterprise. Uh, when you calculate for inflation, it was the number one cash crop on the face of the earth was the cotton production in the southern states, the United States of America, which because of the greed, the love of money being the root of all evil is what uh, made for these oligarchs to come in and usurp other human beings, which is insane, right? However, at the same time, it was the Judeo-Christian values that actually came and made war against that affront against God, that there would possibly even remotely be some sort of usurpation over another human being just based on sheer dominance. By the way, side note, Doug, if you've noticed, that's exactly what we've gotten back to, is a oligarchy-based, fascist-based, total enslavement of humanity by a ruling elite inside the United States of America. They're called Democrats. They're called liberals. 
They will murder you. They will murder your children before they're even born. They'll usurp and groom and murder and destroy the consciousness of your child. They'll use the public school systems to murder and enslave the mind of a child. They'll do everything to come against your children for a ruling elite to make you a slave class. And yet they're the ones that are saying, oh, racism, 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 racism. You talk about delusions. Anyway, side note. So, yeah, on the concept of leadership, man, it's a big deal. You know, you and I were both sergeants in the Marine Corps Infantry, a very unique position to hold really in the totality of the United States of America to be a sergeant in the Marine Corps Infantry. Uh, a non-commissioned officer is one of the highest forms of boots on the ground leadership that you could ever experience in the land of living. Uh, you know, this isn't like a braggadocious thing on the Marine Corps, but out of the majority of the Fortune 500 companies, the mass majority of the members on the board of Fortune 500 companies are former Marines, uh, both enlisted and officer corps, right? Uh, Marines are the only ones allowed to protect their embassies overboard or overseas. The Marine Corps band is primarily the band, oh, the only band that's allowed to play and represent the United States government in foreign uh, in foreign affairs and in foreign diplomacy. That's how high the Marine Corps leadership is held. That's the esteem to which it's held. And what we learn in the Marine Corps and what we're trying to even model in our daily lives and where it happens first and foremost is as a husband. A husband to a wife is your primary example of leadership to the world around you. It's your par- primary primary example of leadership to your children. And therefore, it's the primary example of your leadership in ministry as a testimony to what you say you believe or disbelieve as a as an open testimony before the heavenly courts of what you actually represent is found within the confines of the marriage. But what we learn in the Marine Corps is that the number one chief attribute of leadership is to set the example. Now that sounds so simple, right? Like you can have a more simple mantra motto axiom in leadership than set the example, or as some people would say is lead from the front. But when you think about the high burden of command that comes with that leadership calling, the high burden of command, I'll say that a hundred times over, you cannot be dismissive of what it actually means when you peel back the layers or you add to the layers of the burden of command of what it means to set the example. That means you work harder, you go with less sleep, you slay your body more, you, you, you have more, uh, consequential nature to the, to the commands and the decisions and the decrees that you issue. Uh, you're going to be held more accountable. You're going to be scrutinized more, more, uh, deeply. And, and, uh, and at a very exposed level and in the natural world or in the land of the living, especially in American corporate reality, they have this saying that the crap rolls downhill. You and I, Doug, know in authentic leadership, it is the exact opposite. The crap only goes uphill. And that is that burden of command and that leading from the front that authentic leadership has to maintain. When, when, if, if one of my officers ever came to me, and saw one of my boots all jacked up, no matter how many times we thrashed him, right? And they'd be like, hey, Walton, is that your freaking Marine over there? Why is he all jacked up? Whether it's his gear, whether he's unshaved, whether he's whatever, whether he's dragging ass in the field, whatever he's doing, that officer, the commander-in-chief, this is all spiritual connotation, the captain of your salvation, the Lord who is a warrior, he never goes and dresses down. Marine Corps officers do not go and dress down a boot, a private or a lance corporal. They don't. They say, who's your freaking NCO, Marine? Right, Doug? They go, who is your freaking NCO? Because that's who they're coming to deal with. They don't go to the low guy. The crap rolls uphill. And then guess what happens? They go, hey, Sergeant Walden, why are you guys X, Y, Z? And I'm like, well, sir, you know, lay out the scenario for him. This is what's going on, sir. He goes, who's your lieutenant? He goes, your lieutenant. Lieutenant, why is your platoon X, Y, Z? Who's your company commander? Goes up to the company commander. See, the crap rolls uphill in authentic leadership and burning command. So let me try to connect this in a way that will create some dialogue for Doug and I. The reality is, is right now in our nation, everybody has forfeited their burden of command. The men will not lead their households. 98% of American households are led by the women and they're dying to be led. They only choose to lead because nobody else is leading them. So they're having to fill that void. The United States government is primarily, primarily led by 
Jezebel spirited women. Why? Because there's no men that will stand up and lead the churches. There is like an 80 to one women's ministry to men's ministry. Why? Because no men will stand up and lead. And by the way, God judged Israel three times over that I found so far because of the passivity, the complacency, the apathy, and the narcissism of the men and their unwillingness to lead from the front. He said, I am coming to judge Israel because the women are baking cakes to the queen of heaven. That's Semiramis. That's Ishtar. That's the Statue of Liberty. That's the Capitol building is the womb of Semiramis, right? They said they are baking cakes to the queen of heaven and the men know about it and will do nothing. Or you have the high priest Eli. It says he knew the wickedness that his sons were doing. But he did nothing about it. He was complacent. How about Adam? People want to blame original sin on Eve. It was not Eve. The burden of command was not on Eve. It was on Adam. Original sin came through Adam's complacency, narcissism, apathy, and his love of self. I want to play golf. I want to get mine. I worked my eight hours, so I'm just going to be a sloth. I'll let my wife pray with the kids. I'll let my wife do the Bible study with the kids. I'll let my wife take the kids to church because I'm going to get mine. And see this, the instruction of the burden command of authentic masculinity in a warrior spirit, a warrior spirit that actually leads from the front in selfless sacrifice. The sacrifice of self at all costs is what makes a true leader is a reason why the United States of America, the culture, your homes, and the church is in the state that it's in. Doug? Well, you know, we're talking about truce, and because I'm a history snob, I'm going to quote Plato. No one is more hated than he who speaks the truth. And then another one of his very good quotes is, good people do not need laws to tell them to act responsibly, while bad people will always find a way around the laws, right? And for that law, um, I'm not talking about criminal laws. I'm talking about the law of sin. We will always find a way, you know, to, to have that little sin, right? To ignore that one little thing. Um, what the Lacedaemonians, the Spartans, called the thousand little deaths of a coward. The the times where you you had the ability to to look and address a problem, and you said, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm just gonna let that go when it should have been addressed. And then the snowball gets bigger rolling downhill. And because you talk about culture, let's throw Plato in one more. Those who are able to see beyond the shadows. Well, how did it go? Those who are able to see beyond the shadows and lies of their culture will never be understood, let alone be believed by the masses. As, as men, to break a paradigm, to break this, constricting mold that our culture has put on us. Look at the commercials. Look at the the cartoons, all the movies, the sitcoms. Dad's stupid. Men are dumb. Yeah, they're the ignorant, dumb buffoons. Yeah, which is that. That's that feminism, matriarchal, Jezebel, Semiramis, worshiping spirit of America. If you notice, America was literally founded and set up for matriarchal worship as an affront against God. That's why it's the District of Columbia. Yeah. It's the District of Columbia. It is its own sovereign territory. Most people don't know because we're uh, um, historically illiterate in the United States of America. My degree's in history. Doug's a major history buff. He probably researches more than me, and I was required to academically, you know. But uh, the original capital of the United States of America after the Continental Congress was New York. New York was the capital. Why in the world did they find a swampland that was uninhabitable, that the water table was so high that you couldn't build in it, and brought in millions of metric tons of dirt to build it up in this very particular place in a swamp, and then cordon it off from all the rest of the United States of America, make it its own sovereign territory, and call it the District of Columbia? Who is Columbia? Who is the statue of ISIS and liberty. What is this, the womb of Semiramis? Why is there a phallic symbol of Nimrod, right? Like it's actually all centered on this matriarchal worship because it's about a particular uh, terraforming, for lack of a better word, of these ancient arcane deities that are here to corrupt and disrupt masculinity and God's righteous governance. 
That's what it's about because the true and better government of the Lord actually is patriarchal. Uh, side note, I literally have a brother-in-law. He's so reprobate. He is in full-time quote-unquote ministry. I kid you not, for Jesus, full-time ministry. He'll tell you, I'm in full-time ministry serving the Lord. His ministry's mission statement is to destroy the patriarchy for the good of social justice. How is that for making war against the holy God, right? And so this goes back, Doug, to what you're saying even about um, the the cowardice and the lack of leadership being centered on cowardice. Let me let me break down the simplicity of what it means to be a coward. It doesn't matter if it's on a field of battle. It doesn't matter if it's a dad leading his household. It doesn't matter if it's a pastor being weak and leading his church and wanting to appease the culture around him. It doesn't matter if it's the guy wearing two masks in the car next to you three years later. Like all this is high cowardice. Cowardice is simply this, self-preservation. See, and this is why it is such an offense to a holy God, because the opposite of cowardice, self-preservation, is selfless sacrifice. Jesus Christ, the true and better warrior, the epitome of a warrior spirit. Exodus 15, 3, the Lord is a warrior, the Lord is his name. Isaiah 42, the Lord... We at The Common Sense Show have a great TV show. We bring in a panel of experts and help people navigate the uncharted waters that we're living in. Because what once was coming is no longer coming. It's already here, and we're getting you the help so you can make better decisions for your future. You can find us at TheCommonSenseShow.tv, commercial-free, censorship-free, and we're getting five-star ratings on the world's major platforms. Again, check us out today at TheCommonSenseShow.tv. Every knowledgeable person knows that when you have gold, you've protected your wealth. But what if the government one day wanted to confiscate your gold so they can gain total control, knowing that one day the smoke will clear and gold will be perfectly available, and that's happened all throughout history. So what you need to do is, in the interim, hide your gold. You can do that by burying it. You can go down about 12 inches, and that's all you're going to need to do. And we have a product that we call buryyourgold.com and what it does is it goes into a container you lower it in the ground with a hole you've dug up to 12 inches it's a 50-year warranty on the device it only weighs 17 pounds to pull it out of the ground and you can keep it for safekeeping and i'll tell you this is the way to hide your gold not in false walls but underground will be very very difficult to detect to find out more Go to BarrierGold.com. The product is fully guaranteed with a money-back guarantee. Did you know that the World Economic Forum now, they in the last meeting they convened, they actually had a water board there with water experts, and they tell us our water is in danger and they have to take control of our water. Does that bother anybody? I'm sure it does. And I begin thinking right now about water safety. And we already know there's lead in the water, chemicals in the water. A lot of it's not safe to drink. But we have the answer for you. It's called the Alexa Pure Pro Water Filter. It's the best there is. And scientifically, they leave nothing to doubt as they publish their research at waterwithdave.com. And it's my choice for water filtration. Gravity powered. It reduces 206 contaminants. It targets heavy metals, fluoride, chlorine, and viruses. It is the best there is in the business. And you can read all the research on this simply by going to water with dave.com that's water with dave.com save eighty dollars for a short time well stir up his zeal like a mighty man of war he will show himself mighty against his foes christ jesus uh uh first john 3 8 the son of man was made manifest for this reason that he might destroy the works of the evil one Christ Jesus, you think that I came to bring peace. I'm sorry, you're misunderstanding me. I'm a warrior. Remember, the Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. If you see me, then you see the Father. I am the Father in one. He is in me, and I am in him as I am in you, and you are in me. Like, we're totally unified. If you see me in the fullness, you've seen the Father in fullness. He's a warrior. I'm a warrior. And he says, you think I came to bring peace. I'm sorry, you're totally misunderstanding. I came to make war. I came to bring a sword and make war. Why? Because warriors fight selflessly to the sacrifice of self even unto the shedding of their blood and they're pouring out of their blood so that others may live that's what it means to be a warrior i did not say a soldier notice i've never once said a soldier i said a warrior a warrior has a posture a unique uh innate 
indwelt posture, a touch from the Lord. It talks about the valiant men whose hearts the Lord had touched. First Samuel, second Samuel, on and on and on. Second Chronicles, valiant men whose hearts the Lord had touched were they selflessly sacrificed for the good of others, right? And so this is why a coward is the first person God deals with at the final judgment. The cowards are the first ones that he chucks into the lake of fire because it is such an anathema. It is so antagonistic to his spirit and his posture to be self-preserving when he showed you the example by being selflessly sacrificial. And so any form of self-preservation, which is a lover of self, right? It's narcissism. It's self-justifying. It's self-righteous. All you religious-spirited, the Torah-observant people and XYZ out there, it is self-affirming. It is self-esteeming. It is self-justifying. It is vaingloriously self-exalting. And the chief among it is that it will self-preserve. I must protect my comfort my time, my resources, and my sense of validation. And you know who leads from the front in that? The weak men in the United States of America. And on top of the weak men in general, it's the Christian men. So unbelievably narcissistic that the church is in full-on apostasy. So when we talk about leading from the front, it is probably the highest consequential aspect of the human experience that you could enter into is leadership and leading from the front. Because when that burden of command fails, all else fails. Why is a household in disorder? Why are the kids out of control? Why is there no peace for the poor young mother that's trying to raise these kids? Because the dad won't lead from the front. He won't set the right parameters for the kids. He won't authentically discipline, not punish. I said discipline. Discipline is training up a child's spirit. It is shepherding a child's spirit. The husband won't lead from the front in time management. He won't lead from the front and and restoring his wife and, and making her radiant and spotless and blameless. Like Christ died, again, the warrior spirit, to make the church. Ephesians 5. He died to make his church, his bride, radiant. And yet husbands won't do that for their own wives. So when that burden of command fails, all else fails. And what do you get is you get a reprobate United States of America where they're shouting their abortions, where they're trying to pass legislation to sexualize your children, where the NEA, which is only led by Jezebel spirited women. This isn't a anti-woman thing. This is an anti, this is spiritual. This is an anti-spirit thing. This is a cosmic warfare thing i'm speaking to i love my sisters in christ are you kidding me what i hate is the usurpation by the powers of darkness to make women make war against god and it's actually not the woman's fault it's because the men have already chosen to make war against god in their spirits right it's like who's leading all the lgbt parades Who's shouting the abortions who runs the abortion clinics who's performing the abortions Who leads the NEA? Who is running the critical race theory? Who's doing the systemic racism in all the schools? Who's leading all the sex ed classes and fourth graders in Oregon Oregon that are trying to teach them the benefits of, I won't say because I don't want your show to get unplugged, but like the benefits of different types of intimate expressions, they are being required by state law to teach the fourth graders. We're talking about, I I won't even go there. You can go find it out for yourself. Self. And so, again, all this is an outcome of the failure of the burden of command of the leadership within the home. And this is something that Doug and I seek to rectify as much as we're able to and as much as we bumble and we stumble or whatever along the way is our desire is to actually raise up men to be men with a biblical worldview and a godly perspective to lead from the front to the dying of self. To the dying of self in all areas. This is what we're doing here at the base camp. This is what the the Lord burned me with the whole book, Omega Dynamics, equipping a warrior class of Christians for the days ahead. This is why Doug and I travel the country and we teach and we train. And most of the time, Doug, what do we do? We don't, we're not like teaching and training these tangible physical things. 70% of the time is we're actually speaking words of life over the men that are gathered there. We're instructing. 
We're instructing. We're telling them about biblical manhood, selfless sacrifice, being a defender, being a sheepdog uh, for their community, for their families, for their churches, dying to the things of this world and rising up in their rightful calling that has been spoken over them in Christ Jesus through God the Father, through the Holy Scriptures, right? That's generally what Doug and I spend the majority of our time doing whenever we're together. That's what we're going to be doing out here at the base camp at the end of July here where, you know, we have our Warriors Summit, our annual Warriors Summit out here in Colorado. And even this year, like my primary focus is I'm going to be speaking specifically on biblical leadership and hostile territory. How in the world do you lead and navigate in a war zone through the fog of war, through battle weariness, through all these things in a way that's authentic from the front to the dying of self so that others may live. That's what, that's literally what my, my block of teaching is going to be on. Doug's is going to be on some of the tangible aspects. We have a, a, a brother, John coming out from Minnesota. His is going to be on, um, clandestine networking within your community. We have some, uh, mother daughter there that are coming out. One of them still active duty drone operator that are going to be teaching, uh, drone operations as a force multiplier for the underground church and how to geofence your property, right? We're going to have other people talking about, um, uh, leadership within a faith haven or within a city of refuge within the underground church. How do you rightly administrate and govern in a way that honors the Lord, but in a way that also is tangibly protects those under your charge, right? So we got a lot of ground to cover because of how far this nation has fallen short of the rightful uh, warrior priesthood that we're supposed to walk in. If you're claiming of Christianity, if you're not in the faith, sorry, doesn't apply to you uh, because I'm using words that don't even make sense to you. Right. Apart from the Holy Spirit doesn't even make sense to you. It says we speak with spiritual truths and spiritual wisdom. The man without the spirit cannot discern it. It is foolishness to him. Right. And so uh, I would just challenge you if you're not in the faith, if you haven't come under the true and better captain of your salvation, Christ Jesus, and the true and better commander in chief, the Lord God most high, repent, man, turn and come under the Lord. You're not going to be disappointed. You got dip spitting, Velcro wearing, body stacking, reprobate, womanizing, cussing, drinking, fighting, mushroom eating freak shows like Doug and I, who have been redeemed by the Lord. He can redeem any of you and come underneath of the Lord Most High. He's a good king and he leads from the front in every way and know that you will never be disappointed when you actually surrender your life to the Lord. He will He will call you into true and better masculinity in a way you've never heard. I've heard dudes say, I, I don't know if I want to be a Christian because they're weak. And I'm like, that's the carnal Christians. Like, Come walk with some legit bros. Here, let me tell you about the heroes of the faith. Here, let me tell you about how gangster the apostles were, right? Like, let me tell you about Polycarp and the first century church leaders. Let me tell you about the underground church leader. Let me tell you about the Christians in the Colosseum at Rome. Let me tell you about how legitimately warrior spirit spirited the authentic Christians are not these people in the Bill Hybels church and the Rick Warren's church and the whatever church and the NAR churches and the Bethel and the Hillsong and the seeker friendly skinny jean black rim glass wearing wearing a scarf when it's 98 degree weather uh worship leaders that's not authentic Christianity in no way shape or form they're the most piss poor ambassadors of the Lord that you'll ever see out there they are not rightly representing the the holy nation from which they were sent but the legit christians man you they're the names you'll never know they're in the underground church in iran and yemen and oman and china and north korea they're in the philippines fighting the muslims they're the guys uh like that go you know buy ak's out of the trunk of the car to protect christians from isis right they're the guys that are out there laying down their lives they're they're going into the muck and the mire to pull people out of it. They're the ones that are out there giving an apologetics on the beach piers, and they're singing and worshiping publicly because they have no fear. They have no fear of the reproach of men because all their fear is reserved for the Most High God. They won't give it to anybody else. Like, there's the legit believers out there walking the walk. They don't talk the talk. They walk the walk. They put their faith in action, and they are men and women of honor courage and commitment men and women 
And I know we're kind of honing in on men right now, but man, my, I'll tell you what, the mightiest, the mightiest people I've seen on the cosmic field of battle that most people don't even understand are the weak and weary old ladies that are 65 or older, 75, 85, and they have been in the trenches taking the fight to the powers of darkness for 50 years without ever balking. They're praying for their unbelieving husband. They're praying for their reparate children. They're praying over their nations. They're praying for guys like Doug and I. They're praying and they're interceding and they're doing war in a way with a, with a devotion to duty that Marine Corps infantrymen could never even understand. Those are the true warriors on the field of battle. Doug? It reminds me of his uh, old, old Marine Corps quote about Iwo Jima. Uncommer, what was it? Uncommon valor uh, was a common virtue that day. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, one of the problems is we don't have any reference or context unless you served in the military, more especially in the Marine Corps. I think the Marine Corps beats in history more than any other, um, any other branch does, albeit uh demonstratively we we punish each other at the risk of not knowing our own history but you know there's 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 a good thing to that because you learn to really respect it you know after your 5000th push up you know who was the first woman of the marine corps you know and and every time you get something wrong you get punished for it. but it drills in and hones in these little facts and it makes you admire and respect what's happening um in the past so that you'll know what's going on in the future Right now, men don't have that. What do they have? The Kardashians to follow, a bunch of losers from the NFL and MMA. As pro athletes, dude, anytime yeah. I hear a dude talk about pro athletes, I throw up in my mouth. I'm like, is that's you actually think that those guys are men? Like, that's what your definition of manhood is a guy playing a game for millions of dollars as a 22 year old. And then you know everything about him, but you don't have a clue about the world around you, about geopolitics, about geostrategies, about militaristic, about economics, or especially about the Lord and his word. But you know everything about some 22-year-old punk that's making $10 million a year to play a game? Insane, bro. Don't even get me started on that. Go ahead. Yeah, I, you know, I the other day I was speaking to a young man about history, and we were talking about warfare. And why do I speak about warfare so much? So because warfare was the defining moment for all men. It was. Every man went to war. You typically you didn't go to war unless you had an ailment or you were elderly. Every man had to go to war. Every man had to, from the old English customs, um, by penalty of death, you had to be armed and available when called out. And you know, ask yourselves this, man. How many of you and your buddies right now, let's say when the Russians, quote Russians, which could be analogous for anything, um, when we get invaded, are you ready for the call out? Are you ready for the summoning? You know, because as I read back through numbers, the, the book of numbers, I'm sitting here just holding my Bible reading as you're, as you're going on, um, it reminds me of when the people rebelled because the men became lackadaisical. They were no longer hungry um, because the Lord had been feeding them. And then when he did feed them, they complained, well, what if y'all we get is bread? And then all we get is quail. You know what happened? Let me, let me stray for a little bit for some of you, a little Bible lesson. You know what happened to the people whenever they complained about the bread and they complained about the quail? God said, you know what? I'm going to give you so much of it because you complained when I took you out of Israel. Uh, I mean, out of Egypt, you complain. The Common Sense Show is proud to be able to bring you some very special deals for MyPillow. For example, they've got half off MyPillow bed sheets, more than half off their slippers, their sandals, their mattresses, their topper covers, women's lingerie. Now, they have extremely great products, as you all know. Ladies and gentlemen, right now go to MyPillow.com backslash Hodges. Use the coupon code Hodges to take advantage of these great opportunities. MyPillow.com backslash Hodges, coupon code Hodges. Complain when I drug you across the Red Sea. You complain when I brought you out through the, the wilderness. We're going round and round and round because you still do evil on the side of me. You still don't listen to me. How many times do I have to show you a miracle? 
Here, here's some more quail, and you're going to eat it until it's coming out of your nose. How about that, Israel? Keep eating it until you are throwing up the food. I said I'd provide, and that's an old Marine Corps thing. Hey, you were hungry? Good. Good to go. Go grab your MRE. Get your buddy's yeah. MRE. Now you're going to eat it until you throw it up. Oh, great. We're, mm-hmm. we're not hydrated. Why are we not hydrated? You know, I, I'll manage to do that to my boots. Corporal, I'm cramping. I'm cramping. Why are we not hydrated? Why are we not hydrated? Because we're not drinking water. It's funny. To this day, my wife doesn't understand why I hate water. I'm like, because I got waterboarded every day. They like, they will make you drink till you puke. But let me, let me get on this stuff because I think that this is such a prescient note is that at the peak of Israel's shame, this is what it says about him. And this is off the top of my head. I can't remember where, where it's at. It's, it's gotta be in first Samuel. I'm assuming just thinking the context of the story, but at the peak of Israel's shame, this is what it says that not a single sword was found among them. And except for among Saul and Jonathan, only Saul, King Saul and Jonathan, his son were the only two of a nation of over 4 million people at that time, four plus million that had a weapon that was so shameful that they actually had to go to their enemies, the Philistines and pay them to sharpen their stupid farming utensils into weapons. Because that was how God judged them, was that they were so weak and complacent and emaciated that not a weapon was found among them. Secondarily, the sin of Ephraim. Ephraim is often referred to as a sin of the church. People can go through, I've preached on every single one. I preached on valor. I preached on uh, death before dishonor. I preached on uh, uh, endurance in, in, in the end time. I preached on... Even when I'm talking about now, a faulty bow, uh, about Ephraim, though armed with a bow, turned back on the day of battle, says Ephraim is like a faulty bow in my hand. Every single time the Lord had an offense with the people of Israel and the church, you can go listen to all these. I go super in depth through all the scriptures related to these topics is that uh, the way that it made manifest was that they were weak in battle. That's how God always reproved his judgment now look at the nations look at the history of nations the rise and fall of nations read deuteronomy 28 the blessings and curses on nations the way a curse comes upon a nation that is so reprobate and turn away from god is through warfare it is always it says famine disease and a sword famine disease and the sword famine disease and the sword the sword is the finishing blow i live in four corners here i'm literally i can look out this window behind me look at uh, uh mesa verde national park right the anasazi the U indians the navajo indians the cliff, cliff dwellers they were so unbelievably vile that the Lord brings people in to destroy them, right? It's the rise and fall of every nation. When they get super vile, it's warfare comes against them. And the same thing is true within the home, each one to the man. Actually, I'm thinking of Joshua 7 right now, the sin of Achan. It says, you have been made liable for destruction on a field of battle because you've hidden devoted things in your tent. And the Lord goes and he deals with the men of Israel. He goes first by tribe, then by clan, then by family. Then each man independently has to stand before Joshua, the commander in chief through the Lord, which by the way, Joshua is a type and shadow of the name of Jesus. If anybody didn't know that, right? So he's, he's a type and shadow of Christ leading from the front and he's representing the glory of Israel through God. Each one had to stand before him and give an account for their complacency. And their narcissism, because they were made liable for destruction on the field of battle. It says, you cannot stand against your enemies until you remove the devoted things from among your camp. And that was, so again, you see this president over and over again. And that was, that was after Jericho, right? It was right after Jericho. Yeah, yep. I mean, like, right yeah, look, look, look at the miracle of defeating Jericho and bringing the walls down. The people of Israel didn't do that. God did. Once again, God always leading from the front as, as the way a commander should be leading from the front, which is not the way it is anymore. Um, you know, what, whenever I was, I was in law enforcement, especially whenever we were doing all that gnarly stuff out there in Portland, I used to tell my guys, cause I was the first one out the door. I was the first one in on the warrants. I was the first one in line. Like you, you're going to have to catch up to me. 
and I'm not exactly small and I'm not exactly fast anymore. And still, mm-hmm. you know, I was the first guy because that leadership leads from the front. Leadership leads. Leadership doesn't push. Leadership doesn't guide. It leads. You need to be worth being um, a leader. You, you have to be able for people to want to say, I want that guy to lead me. I don't want a bag of trash to lead me around. You know, I, I, when you take, when you take this honor of being a leader upon your own shoulders, the weight of God looks down upon you for that. All you Christian men, by the way, because you're all supposed to be leaders. Every single one of you. We're all warrior priests. We're all the high priests of our families. We're all supposed to be priests out in the field, but not only out in the field, but you know, just like when the people grumbled in, in the book of numbers against God. And he said, I'm going to promise a judgment. He told Moses, I'm going to send pestilence and I'm going to disinherit these people. I'm going to scatter them. And Moses went, nope, don't do that because Lord, please, you're going to show everyone that you're not with your people. You came and brought us all this way and now we're just defeated and that'll defeat everything that you've done. And actually, you know, Moses held God to his standard, which we can do, but we have to be held to ours, right? Jamie, we got to be held to our standard. You you can't, like in the Marine Corps, we talk garrison Marines and field Marines. Um, In garrison, you have to be pretty, you know, immaculate, shaved two to three times a day have had to be. Um, You had to have a nice uniform. You had to have the proper greeting of the day. I mean, you're like, you were on test by everyone around you to include your peers and your superiors. The moment you put on your uniform, you walked outside of, uh, you know, of your barracks. And until you went to sleep, you were on test all day. Same thing out in the field. But in both times, you have to have not just that esprit de corps, the brotherhood, but you also have to be very disciplined and wise about what you're saying, what you're doing. Because in this leadership position, Jamie, everybody's looking to you. Everyone is watching all you dads out there. Your kids are watching you. Your bad habits, they're picking up from you. You know, you're swearing. That's one of Doug's problems that Doug is trying to overcome. Um, I'm uh, sometimes an overly passionate person in the Marine Corps. Beat into my head more bad words than positive words. <laughs> Isn't so, that the truth? <laughs> so I'm I'm trying to you know tamper that down. But my sons will look at me for leadership. My daughters look to me for leadership, and my wife looks to me for leadership. When your wife, children, friends have to look to someone else for leadership, you're failing them. You're failing them. God charged you to be good enough in his eyes to have a family and to be a leader of the family. And then you turn to playing what on on your your Xbox and and watching sports and, and doing all this crap. How many times are you opening the Bible with your kids and reading with them and praying with them? How many times are you going on the walks out in the wilderness with them, taking them away from the, you know, the, the common everyday problems that we have here in society? You got to be able to take it. It is, yourself. man. It, that, that's that, that depth of burden command. I can never stress it enough. You know, even like in our church, you know, we, we have a, a church plan out here in Southwest Colorado and it's like, you know, as soon as a new family comes, they're like, so do you guys do Sunday school? And I'm like, never. I will never do Sunday school. They're like, well, why not? What are we supposed to do with the kids? And they're out of control. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, that's on your husband. Like, I say the same. And and actually, like here, it, this is unique. It shouldn't be unique. It should be the standard. But I only us men get together. The women and the wives even if they're single or whatever, they're not getting together. I'm like, the men, you come over here. Every Tuesday morning, we're in this room here, praying together as men, wrestling out things as men, teaching leadership things as men, talking about marriage and, and parenting and even how to conduct yourselves in the, in the world around you, right? How to stay the course, eyes fixed on Christ as men. I'm like, as the men go, so goes the rest of the church. You know, I had a couple of women say, hey, I, I just feel like I, I, are, I really want to lead worship. I really want to lead worship. And I'm like, that's awesome. I love that you you have been given this beautiful gift and this beautiful voice to be able to worship the Lord. And you're filled with passion for that. I'm like, but um, I'm looking for a man to stand up and lead the worship. 
I'm looking for a man. Not because I'm dismissive or diminishing you, because men need to be leading from the front all this way. The days of Jehoshaphat, Second Chronicles 20. All the high priests that led worship were men, and they actually went in front of the army and worshiped the Lord, saying, Great is the Lord, his, faith, his faithful love endures forever. And as they went about worshiping, the enemy would turn on each other and the powers of darkness would be routed, right? Walls of Jericho. It was the high priestly order of men, the sons of Korah and things like that, that went out leading the worship over their families and over the women and the children and over all the other men of Israel that though that they're worshiping and the blowing of the trumpets to the glory of the Lord is why the Nephilimic walls of Jericho came you know, crashing to the ground around them. So I'm like, even in that, it's like, I'm not going to do Sunday school because how are my children supposed to know how to pray unless they hear us praying? How are they supposed to know how to worship unless they hear us worship? How are they supposed to hear us wrestling out our flesh and like wrestling out the, the grinds and the rubs that we have on one each other? I want my children to hear the drama. I want my children to hear us try to get to the truth. And, and even when we fail each other and we don't love each other well, like I want to model for them everything, even in my failings. I'm always seeking to lead my children from the front to confess my sins to them and to show them the restoration that I have in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Like this, listen, you guys all saw me totally blow it. Like no self-control, acted a total fool or, you know, spoke a curse against that person. And like now that grieves the Lord and, and the failings of my flesh. And then I go, but praise God in Christ Jesus. This is what he's restoring in me and renewing in me. And he doesn't treat my sins against me as men count sins against one another. He doesn't count my iniquities against me. So I'm going to praise the Lord and I'm going to keep seeking his face no matter how many times I fall flat on mine. You know, and so even in that, it's an opportunity to lead from the front and where the rubber meets the road with the gospel in our daily lives. Right. Hey. But then there's also the tangible things. I'm like, dude, don't be a fat body. And sorry if that offends somebody. Don't be a nasty, like, fat body. That's a Marine Corps word. If that offends you, sorry. That's just what we called it in the Marines. And and what it means is, like, I have to set the example even in, I tell my kids, I'm like, as the Lord is a trinity, and as we are grafted into the trinity, if you're in me, you're in the Father, as I'm in him, and he's in the Father, and he's in you, like, we actually get grafted in. And then we even have a trinity in the natural state. We have mind, body, spirit. So I tell them every day, I, say, I tell my kids every day, have you checked all three? Have you have you fed and nurtured and exercised all three things? Did you Did you read? They read like crazy. I'm like, did you do something to exercise your body? Because it's a gift that your body works. Not everybody's body does work. It's a gift. You should return it to the Lord fully. Like use your body to the maximum because that's such a gift from the Lord that you have a healthy body. And did you feed your spirit? Have you been in the word, sons and daughter? Have you been praying to the Lord? Have you sought the Lord? What Have you wrestled things out before the Lord? So I'm like three things every day you have to exercise. Because like any exercise, if you don't exercise, you lose it. And the only way to get stronger is to experience the discomfort of endurance and perseverance in exercising. And as you don't balk and shrink back from the discomfort of exercising, mind, spirit, body, if you don't shrink back from that, you grow stronger and stronger and stronger. This is what it looks like to let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. You have to let perseverance. You have to be willing to suffer in your body so that you can be unified with Christ in the spirit. You have to be willing to do these things at a selfless sacrifice. You sacrifice your sense of self, your sense of comfort, your sense of your snuggie on your couch with your Roku remote in your hand, your sense of like, I, I did my time. Now it's my time to retire. I'll leave my reprobate adult children to themselves and I'll leave my grandchildren to the reprobate public school systems because I got mine. I'll leave that on my, on my adult children now. Like, dude, to overcome that means you need to die to self, be selfless. And walk and lead from the front, no matter how uncomfortable you are. And watch how the Lord will begin to restore you and make you radiant and strong and bold. When you look at Moses, 
you know what the gift of Moses was? Actually, it says it about two different people in Scripture. The gift of Moses that in their old age, it says their vigor was unabated and their eyes had not grown dim. Their vigor was unabated. Or Joshua, or I mean, sorry, Caleb at age 85, right? Already been forced because of the rebellion of the people to keep leading from the front, no matter how uncomfortable he was, dying himself through the wilderness for 40 years. They finally arrived at the promised land. Every tribe gets their allotment of land, except for Joshua, one of only two that were faithful the whole time, Joshua and Caleb. And at 85 years old, he goes, hey, that hill country the Lord promised me and my, my tribe, it's still filled with Nephilimic freak show. I'm more than able to take it. I'm as strong now as I was 40 years ago. Give it to me, God. I'll go fight for it still yet longer. See, that's a guy who is willing to selflessly sacrifice everything for God's glory. That's Gideon, right? And it's 300. They, there were, you, know, you know that when Gideon started out, there was 34,000 Israelites there. And guess what God said? You know, Doug. He said, hey, cowards. He didn't say that, but he said, if you're double-minded, sermon I, I just preached this week, I got to upload it today on double-mindedness. He said, if you're double-minded, go home. If you're fearful about the rigors of war, get off the battlefield. You're going to make your brother's hearts faint too. Hey, if you're worried about the wife of your youth and you're going to hide behind her to not stand up and rise and be willing to protect and fight for my glory... Get off the battlefield. Hey, if you're worried about the addition on your house that you're trying to build, so you want to go make more money because that's all you're concerned about is getting yours in this life, go home. I don't need you. And out of the 34,000 that started, some some translations would, some people would say 32,000, only 300 were left. So think about that ratio. I don't know what the percentage would be within the modern American claimants of Christianity. How many who are claimants of Israel are of God, claimants of the church, of Christianity and Christ now, the New Testament dispensation, how many actually would stand the test that they're so jealous for the glory of God, they will sacrifice self at all costs so that others may live? Hey, I want to I I bring up something. Currently, we're, we're facing down the, the barrels of potential World War III and Civil War here in America. Uh, France seems to be an all-out um, Civil War right now. Of course, I think it's completely CIA-led. Yeah, that's a um, CIA. That's definitely a CIA I mean, disruption. Because Macron, when, people don't know that Macron and, and actually uh, the German chancellor, they're all pivoting towards Russia. Yep. So we're going to go destroy their countries now because they're pivoting towards Russia. Yep. Just like we destroyed... The, all of Europe's gas pipeline, because all of Europe was pivoting towards Russia for their gas. Side note. Okay, go ahead. So, you know, I, I have to ask myself, if we're, we're going to get into this major war, and our government has turned absolutely reprobate. Like, there's there's no way around it. We have turned reprobate. Um, our military, our Marine Corps, brother, has turned its back on we who served. And now... Once again, it it appears that the the march for war is going to be upon us. And I ask myself, you know, what was it that that kept God's hands over us when we were fighting you know all these other wars throughout our two hundred and forty eight years of being in the Marine Corps, right? Marine Corps is two hundred and forty eight years old this year. Um what is it exactly that we were doing right? Because we, you know, we might have lost a, a battle or two, but we never lost a war. And I don't think we're going to win whatever's coming next. And I'll say this. Could it be because of the sins of the nation have become so decadent, so depraved, so craven, that God cannot look upon us anymore and say, I'll keep my hand on you for victory? I mean, hear this. This is from Deuteronomy. Uh, chapter 1, verse 41. Then you answered me, We have sinned against the Lord. We ourselves will go up and fight, just as the Lord our God commanded us. And every one of us fastened on his weapons of war, but easy to go up into the hill country. And the Lord said to me, Say to them, Do not go up or fight, for I am not in your midst, lest you be defeated 
by your enemies. I don't think God can honor a military who allows men to be walking around in women's clothes, allows the entire amphibian community to pollute everything. And then you have these guys who are wearing these freak dog masks, this BDSM dog mask thing. I, I don't even know what you call all that. Um, it, it's horrific. And it, do you know that that's actually a biblical judgment oh, yeah. on a nation? He yeah. says in that day, this is in the book of Nahum. It says your fighting men will be like women on the day about, I mean, it's like you could not, I, that's why people who deny the, the, the scriptures in the Bible, I'm like, dude, you're insane. Like it is, there is not one single detail of our human experience that isn't covered in, in perfection. Cause obviously it's God's holy word, right? But it literally says in that day, your fighting men will be like women. And we literally have, and it says in that day, the battle trumpet will sound and nobody will come out to battle. Like they won't leave their barracks and that day and that day and that day. And it talks, oh, and it's always like you're saying the destruction of the U.S. military. It's always within the context of the field of battle, the field like consummate destruction. And then don't even get me started on Mystery Babylon, right? Re- Revelation 18 and elsewhere talks about the destruction of Babylon, Jeremiah 50 and 51 and, and elsewhere, but um, that it's in a single day, in a single hour. It's done. Suddenly, suddenly, it says, suddenly the wall that was cracked and bulging collapses. Suddenly, in a single day, in a single hour, it's done. It's done. And on a nation as reprobate as this, and why is a nation reprobate? It's not because of the government. Everybody tracking. The nation is not reprobate because of the government. The nation is reprobate because of the fathers. That's quit blaming the government. It's the dads. The American dads are the reason why your kids are being sexualized by drag queens at the freaking public library. It's because of the dads, not the government. The dads will not stand for anything. So the Lord says, because. Because of that, watch what happens next. Watch what happens next. They're say nothings and they're do nothings and they're complacent and they're lover of self and they're lover of pleasure rather than lovers of God. They say they're wealthy and need or nothing, but they're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. They tolerate that Jezebel. They tolerate Balaam. They go after the way of the Nicolaitans. Repent, but if you do not, this is what Jesus Christ says, if you do not repent, I myself will come and make war against you. It actually says... The love of the world is enmity towards God. Enmity, enmity is bitter, rancor, forcible warfare. You love the world, men. You are an enemy of God. He is actually at war against you. That's what enmity, enmity is a very particular word to be used there. It means a mutual exchange of warfare. It's not you're just making war against God in your spirit. He's actually coming to make war against you. Yeah, I mean, if there's not a more woeful scripture, I don't know what it is. So when we look at this, this I inevitability, I say it with total confidence, the inevitability of the utter destruction of the U, the U.S. and the U.S. military and the U.S. economy, the utter inevitability, it is foregone, it is coming, period. The imminency of it is a little bit harder to discern. Is it in the next three months? Is it in the next five years? I don't know. But the inevitability is certain. It is because the sins of the fathers are being visited upon the children of this nation. That's why. The dads. Burden of command leading from the front. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, all the failures in our government is coming from the men. And for the men who won't stand up and do what's right, the women are standing up. But we have the wrong women standing up. Yep. Yeah, I mean, women are just trying to fill the void. It's not an anti-woman, and it's not a, a anti-feminist. Well, I am definitely anti-feminism, but it's not a misogynistic thing or whatever. It's the women are doing their best with what they've been handed because the men are weak. That's right. So they're like they're trying their best to fill the void, but they're outside of their gifting in the Lord. They weren't wired to do it that way necessarily. There is a righteous government. There is perfect governmental balance. That's the number 12, 12 stones of the ephod, the 12 tribes, the 12 disciples, the 12 foundation stones in the new heaven, right? 12 is God's righteous, perfect government. The Lord's all about government. 
So when he says obey the government, he's talking about the true and better government. He's all about government. Even within the household, he's created government. Why? Because we're righteous rule. There is freedom. Good governance equals freedom. Wicked governments equals total chaos, disorder, and every evil practice. So God hey, is all about right government. For, for everyone on the Common Sense Show, thank you very much for listening. We're going to sign off. Me and Jamie are going to continue to go on. Um, happy Fourth of July. Independence Day is what it's called. Make sure you you pray, celebrate, and um, stay frosty, guys. We'll be with you all next time. We at the Common Sense Show have a great TV show. We bring in a panel of experts and help people navigate the uncharted waters that we're living in. Because what once was coming is no longer coming. It's already here, and we're getting you the help so you can make better decisions for your future. You can find us at the TV, commercial-free, censorship-free, and we're getting five-star ratings on the world's major platforms. Again, check us out today at TheCommonSenseShow.tv. Every knowledgeable person knows that when you have gold, you've protected your wealth. But what if the government one day wanted to confiscate your gold so they can gain total control, knowing that one day the smoke will clear and gold will be perfectly available, and that's happened all throughout history. So what you need to do is, in the interim, hide your gold. You can do that by burying it. You can go down about 12 inches, and that's all you're going to need to do. And we have a product that we call BarryYourGold.com, and what it does is it goes into a container. You lower it in the ground with a hole you've dug up to 12 inches. It's a 50-year warranty on the device. It only weighs 17 pounds to pull it out of the ground, and you can keep it for safekeeping. And I'll tell you, this is the way to hide your gold, not in false walls, but underground will be very, very difficult to detect. To find out more, go to BarryYourGold.com. The product is fully guaranteed with a money-back guarantee.